This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 332. And welcome to Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by producer extraordinaire Matthew Marister. How are you doing, sir? Hello, hello, hello. I am doing great. Uh, I'm just chilling here in the home basement office, uh, which is cool down here, so that's nice. Some people aren't quite so lucky. Uh, They're in much hotter locales than I am. Yeah, it's cool to be back after uh, the uh, Independence Day weekend and all that, and we're back kind of on schedule here, so... Absolutely. And I'm thrilled to be back. And I'm thrilled that the weekend is over, even though it was a really cool weekend. Uh, you know, my my normal festivities of things, I always try to take the weekend closest to the 4th of July off and spend some time with family. But it did not happen this year because we went up and went down, really down south to Phoenix, Phoenix land with Jacob. And uh, we recorded some videos for an upcoming product together with uh John Korea of Active Self, Active Self Protection. Uh, thank you, John, wherever you are. I understand he's uh, doing some travel himself this week. And anyway, we had a great time, uh, but it was hot and uh, and it was fun and it was tiring. And uh, I'm back and I'm glad to be back. So uh, anyway, good good times. Today is our Justified Saves News Story uh, edition. Uh, we will be covering a number of stories from around the country uh, defensive gun uses. We call these justified saves. And there's always lessons to be learned from these. That's why we do this. It's not about Monday morning quarterbacking, armchair quarterbacking, whatever. It's not about that at all. It's about what can we learn from other people's experiences because I shouldn't have to touch the stove to find out it's hot. Right? So That's a good way to put it. Well, it's 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 the truth. <laughs> So uh, that's why we do these stories, and, and we this is one of my favorite episodes that we do each month on the podcast. So let's, uh, but first though, we need to tell you a couple of sponsors. Ammo Supply Warehouse, AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com is where you can find them. Awesome dudes over there at Ammo Supply Warehouse. Uh, Becker is one of the dudes that runs the, runs the joint. Uh, he's a good guy, uh, free and loving American. And you know what? They sell some really great quality ammunition for incredibly good prices. You won't find a lot of junk on their website. Yes, there are other sites where you can find junk ammo, cheap ammo. If that's what you're up out out for, if you're if you're looking for really cheap crappy ammo, go maybe look somewhere else. If you're looking <laughs> for good, nice, clean, affordable ammunition such as Fioki, go to AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com, all right? And I'll give you just a little pro tip. Your best bet is to order quantities of 2,000 rounds at a time or in quanti- or in uh, uh, groups of 2,000 rounds because when you do that, a lot of times they have these special free shipping deals when you order 2,000 rounds at a time, and it is worth it, okay? So that's what I do. That's what you should do. Go take advantage of great ammo, great prices, great people, great service at AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com. Guardian Nation members get an additional benefit of saving an additional 5% off of already really awesome prices at Ammo Supply Warehouse. Cool. Also, 
Today's episode made possible and brought to you by Mantis X. This week only, save 15% off using coupon code MANTISTALK. That's a coupon code I gave in yesterday's shop talk. Uh, if you want to catch the uh, archived video, if you missed that, you can always go to concealedcarry.com forward slash shop talk or find it on our Facebook page. And basically, I bust the myth of finger trigger finger placement, uh, and I use Mantis X to demonstrate that. So uh, go check that out and save 15% this week on Mantis X. Go to concealedcarry.com forward slash Mantis X, M-A-N-T-I-S-X, and use the coupon code Mantis Talk and save 15%. Cool, cool. Yeah, man. So um, we got a bunch of great stories to talk about today. And first up, oh, wait, one more thing, one more thing. Uh, folks, uh, we are back on schedule with the weekly podcast giveaway. So make sure you get signed up by going to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Totally 100% free. And uh, this week's prize is, so the winner will be announced one week from today. So you have one week to get signed up. Go to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize and get signed up. All right. So Streamlight MicroStream Flashlight is this week's prize. All right. First up, we got the story Dumbest criminal of the month. <laughs> um, you know, we should we should be a little more re- reverent of that. Uh, this yes yes this young boy did uh, lose. I say young boy. He was nineteen years old, but he did lose his life. But uh, he was probably not the smartest criminal. So, yeah. Uh, a nineteen-year-old uh, kid tried to rob a fireworks stand, and he has now died after being shot in the face with his own gun. Now, when I, when I first saw the headline of the story, you know, I was like, uh, "Okay, I guess he, uh, I guess he had a problem with how he was handling his gun and somehow accidentally shot himself." But it wasn't that at all. What what actually happened is around 4 p.m. last Thursday on July 4th, he visits a fireworks stand. He approached the stand with a gun, okay, a loaded weapon, and began demanding money. An employee grabbed cash, placed it on the counter, and in the suspect's haste to grab that money, he set his gun down, whereupon the employee then grabbed that gun and shot him in the face. Mm -hmm. Ouch. Uh, So, yeah, that's why weapon retention is really important, even if you're the bad guy and you want to survive. (laughs) Um, Now... He, on the one hand, he had it coming, right? He's the one. No, these these guys didn't choose this to happen to them. He approached them. He approached their fireworks stand. He approached them with an armed, uh, loaded with excuse me with a loaded weapon, and uh, you know you you pick up one one end of the stick, you pick up the other end. Meaning you you, you may not, um, yeah, <laughs> your choices have consequences, right? So, uh. Interesting story here. You know, I kind of wonder, Matthew, a little bit about did this employee really have to pick that up and immediately go, you know, resort to shooting uh, with it? Because at that point, he basically has taken the weapon that the kid had. So, you know, it's debatable how how much of a threat this kid is to you at that point. But he is in Texas and he is committing a forcible felony. So, I mean, like, it it, again, the law may state or suggest that this would be justified 
but from a, like a tactical, but even really from a moral standpoint, I have to ask myself the question, like, is that what I would do? I don't, I don't think I would at least, you know, go right to shooting rounds. Now, if I grabbed the kid's gun and he started fighting with me over it, and maybe that's what happened here. You know, we don't always get really good stories about these. You know, we don't get the details a lot of times. We don't maybe have video. We don't have video of this one, I don't think. Um, you know, if you start fighting with me over the gun, well, that's different. But if you just grab the gun, you step back, and he's standing there without a weapon, and then you shoot him. Uh, morally, I don't feel – I feel a little bit icky, you know, thinking about right. that. What's yeah, your I mean, I, I totally agree. You know, th- this was th- – the reason why this story is kind of interesting is that – you know, one, the, the, the kid does something really stupid, right? He puts the gun down, but like you, you, you touched on the fact that there are not a lot of facts, you know, it's just kind of vague. Um, we don't know if the employee like picked it up and maybe accidentally pulled the trigger. It doesn't say he accidentally doesn't really say that he purposely shot him in the face, fearing for his life or anything like that. So it's kind of, un, uh, you know, leaves it open to interpretation as far as like us just kind of looking at it after the fact. Um, but it is something to consider, you know, like if, if you were in that situation, if, if do you pick up the, the, the gun and, and, you know, immediately, uh, pull the trigger or, you know, it, it, it obviously it's going to, situation is going to dictate, but, um, luckily he was in Texas, like you said, because, uh, there's a little bit more leniency as far as, um, uh, you know, defending property alone and, and, and things like that. So um, whether or not he, he, he was justified in this, I mean, obviously he wasn't arrested according to the, to the news report, but obviously not the most brilliant uh, criminal in Houston, Texas, or was in Houston, Texas anymore, but um, yeah, yep. don't, don't do that kind of stuff. I there guess. You go. And <laughs> you know, on the flip side, if you're on the receiving end, meaning you're the good guy being robbed, uh, you know, look for those kind of opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Because there are many mistakes made by by thugs, you know, by robbers, by home in- intruders. There, there's there are there are oftentimes opportunities to seize. So. Uh, look for that opportunity. You know, if, if you feel the, a need to take action, then you need to look for the appropriate time to take that action. Mm-hmm. All right, it's not always appropriate to be faced with a threat and immediately go right to the gun because it may not be the time to do that. You need to, you know, you may not have the time. You may not be able to draw and use that gun or that, you know, take whatever action it is you're you're going to take. You may not have the time to do that before you get yourself hurt. So. Um, I'm just checking my internet, by the way, because I'm, I'm seeing some comments that we're having a bit of an issue with the feed. And as far as I can tell, based on a speed test, I'm, I'm, it, it's doing okay. So I don't know what's going on. I apologize for those that are live watching live. Okay. So next up, we've got a story here. These are kind of the, we always feature these stories that are sort of like a what not to do, right? So Matthew, tell us about this Uber one out of Albuquerque. Yeah, lots to learn. Um, This happened, obviously, you said in Albuquerque, but it actually happened back in St. Patrick's Day. But the reason why it's, it's, uh, I included it now is because he was just actually charged, uh, the person who uh, supposedly claimed self-defense in the shooting. So he's an Uber driver. Um, His name is Clayton Benedict. And he's an Uber driver driving along, picks up a couple people um, late at night, 
they get into an argument on the freeway uh, as one of the passengers uh, pukes in the back seat. So they start arguing over that. Uh, Clayton, the driver, he pulls over on the side of the freeway. Um, and one of the uh, passengers, not the one that vomited, but the other one, his name's James Porter. He's 27. He gets out. Um, obviously, they're, they're starting to yell at each other. Um, Port, or Benedict says that Porter uh, took his his shoes off, uh, threw them on the ground, threw his hat off. Basically, I, I, I think kind of insinuating that this person, uh, Clayton, wanted to, or um, uh, Clayton, not Clayton, um, James, was going to fight him. Took you know took off his shoes and stuff and started charging at him, um, and was going to get in the car and threaten to run him over with his own vehicle. So. Clayton draws out his firearm and shoots him several times, um, killing him. And initially on the scene, he, uh, Clayton says that, you know, I was in fear of my, my life because uh, the subject was going to get my car and dry and threaten to run over me. Um, however, through the forensic um, investigation that was done afterwards, uh, autopsy, and whatnot, they were able to see where the where the rounds were entering, um, and, and at what angle and things, and kind of put it together that it really wasn't justified as based on where he was standing when he was shooting and things like that. And you know, just on face value, it's a little hard to say that you, you were in fear of you know this guy jumping in your car and you know running you down on the side of the freeway when he wasn't even in the vehicle to begin with and you couldn't have gotten away or out of the way so um unfortunately for this guy he ends up getting charged um not with murder i think it said oh uh, yeah actually second degree murder mm -hmm. um so yeah so he's going to have a, a a tough road to hoe in in um you know this is this is a situation where it, it was totally a situation that could have been avoided Totally. Um, and uh, this is, this place is a really bad, you know, it just, it, it looks bad for, for everyone because this is not the reason why we, 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 any of us carry a firearm, right? It's always as a last resort. It's always a stop the threat. It's not to end an argument or to prove a point. Um, and that seems to be what happened here. So, yep. so obviously there's all kinds of mistakes here made here. And this is why we, you know, we kind of say, you know, what not to do, right? Um, I would not. I, I will preface this by saying I would not necessarily be surprised if this guy is acquitted or charges of eventually are dropped. Uh, and the reason being is because this is kind of a it's, this is this is a classic example of a use of deadly force, you know, situation where there's all kinds of just gray areas. You know what I mean, like. On the face, you know, at face value, looking at this, it, it would seem that, you know, that, that this is appropriate to charge this guy, right? Uh, just because you have an unarmed man, and yes, apparently he's gaining access to the vehicle, and yes, he's maybe going to try to run this guy over or whatever, um, but we had to look at all the evidence, right? And there's a, there was one thing here that stood out to me, and it said that the autopsy report showed that a total of five gunshot wounds were in his back in, you know, the man that died, uh, uh, Porter, he's, he's the unruly passenger. He was shot by the Uber driver five times and all of those wounds were in his back. All right. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that it, 
you know, that by itself, right, isn't necessarily cause for filing charges, uh, murder charges. But when we have, to, I think when we look at everything, and I think this is where the law, where law enforcement and where the prosecutor is at with this case is that they feel that they, they may have a case here to charge him with second degree murder because when you look at all the facts, you go, hmm, yeah, okay, you know, this is, this is uh, a bit troublesome. Right. So that to me is, is what, what I see here. Um, it would make a little more sense perhaps if more of those shots were like, if we had five shots and three were in the chest or through the side and one or two is in the back, that's a little bit more understandable. Does that make sense? Because, because that would maybe be an indicator that someone starts to get shot and they start to, and they start to turn. And in that moment they turn, you, you know, before you maybe fully realize or recognize that the threat's no longer a threat, maybe there's one or two more shots that are let go and maybe one of those goes kind of through the back or whatever, right? But uh, but instead we have five shots all in the back. That's a bit concerning. Now, he, there's a lot of kind of problems here, right? Number one, why did the Uber driver get out of his car in the first place? Uh, there's not a whole lot of detail about that. It just says that when the passenger started to yell at him outside the car and slammed his car door and throw you know and, and and threw his hat and sunglasses down and all this stuff that you know he got out of the car. Why? Why you know was based on this story there's no good reason to get out of the car, right? Um and then secondly, it says again and again and again Benedict, that's the driver, the Uber driver told police and I I saw again and again told police, told police, told police. He clearly said a lot of things to the police. And that's easy to do when someone assumes that they are in the right and that they did the right thing. Uh, you need to get an attorney involved, right? Use a gun and deadly force. Uh, you need to get an attorney involved. So I think he is, uh, he, he probably said some things, maybe, maybe had some inconsistencies, whatever it might be. And keep in mind that people's memories your memory is not really good about as far as especially about the details of an of an incident right after it happened right so that where this gets you in trouble is something happens and you think you did everything right and police starts asking you a question and you're like yeah yeah here let me tell you what went down you start talking and you don't remember everything exactly how it really truly happened or you do, or you miss some details and sometimes as you continue to tell a story, more details come back and that may look like inconsistency. That will draw even more suspicion to you. So the easy thing is get on the phone with your attorney. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, if there's other things we were talking about, like what not to do, don't do what this guy did in a variety of ways. Yeah. It's, all right. it's just bad all around. Really bad. This is another fun one. This happened in Indianapolis. A neighbor fires at man fleeing police, 11-year-old hurt. An 11-year-old girl was hurt uh, Friday night. This is actually two weeks ago when a neighbor tried to shoot at a man fleeing police on the city's near northwest side. All right, so officers uh, pulled over a vehicle. It was about 7 p.m. Friday. It was just a, it started as a simple traffic stop. One of the passengers in that vehicle ran from police, going between homes and even running through a house. A neighbor saw the person fleeing police exit that house and, thinking the house was being robbed, fired a shot, but missed and instead struck a house across the street. 
an 11-year-old girl in that house was hit. She was taken to the hospital with a gunshot wound and was stable, so it appears that she's going to be okay. But this is a problem. You know, we talk all the time about the dangers of involving yourself in third-party incidents, right? Especially where you got law enforcement involved. Now, you may not realize law enforcement's involved because, again, it sounds like this neighbor sees a guy come out the back of a house, may not realize that police is actually out front or somewhere else in the area. But still, again, you're involving yourself in a third-party incident. Now, if... What's interesting about this is the man is exiting the house and he is leaving. He is trying to escape, right? This man was not running, you know, as far as we know, according to the story. And I read actually a couple different stories about this same incident. Nothing ever said that this this uh, fleeing suspect was coming towards that neighbor or threatening that neighbor. It, it, it gave, every news story I read gave the impression the neighbor was trying to stop the fleeing mm-hmm. suspect. We're not. As civilians especially, we're not allowed to fire shots to stop a fleeing suspect. And I know people will sometimes throw out, well, you know, but if it's a fleeing suspect, a known felon, and he poses risk to somebody else, that's a very, very limited, limited use case, even for law enforcement, okay? And I certainly would not go to the lengths of extending it to yourself as a civilian, uh, very, maybe very, very, very rare instances where you can clearly see man is, you know, bad guy suspect is running towards someone else and poses a threat to them. And like, you can see that happening right then and there, but to use the example of, well, but he might've escaped and, and, and hurt somebody else later on, you know, five minutes from now, for instance, no, that's not a good good use of, of deadly force to try to stop them. You don't, you don't have a reasonable suspicion of that. Even, even then, when cops are allowed to shoot a fleeing suspect, it, they, would have to, they would have to make a very strong case. And I know you would agree with me, Matthew, that they had strong, reasonable suspicion right, and belief because of XYZ thing that have happened in the past with that, you know, this is a known individual known to have hurt people in the past, known, you know, whatever it is, you'd have to make a pretty strong case because of history and because of what we knew about this guy. We knew that other people are at risk and he, we knew he was armed or had a strong suspicion that he was. And so we shot him as he fled. Yeah. Would you I mean, agree? It- Totally, man. I mean, this, you, you, you kind of touched on it is people always say this like, well, it's the fleeing felon rule, you know, like if, if he committed a felony, I'm going to shoot him. And it's like, no, you can't do that. And you try to, you try to reason with these people and, and they're like, well, if he did this, who's to say he couldn't, he couldn't hurt somebody else down, you know, down the road. And it's like, you can't shoot somebody because of a, you know, some supposed crime that they may commit in the future, even if they've committed one in the past. Now, if it's an active shooter, yes, you can articulate, like, it's likely that this guy is going to continue shooting people. He still has a firearm in his hand. He's able to, you know, uh, uh, still shoot as he's moving. But if somebody beats, you know, beats somebody down in the street and then runs off, you can't say, well, he could beat somebody down the street, down the next block. And and I don't know if that's why this guy you know, sh- the, the neighbor shot this guy, but you know, it's, it's that ball that gets rolling when you, when you have a, a, a bad, 
you know, presupposition of how you can use deadly force. And then he sees the police chasing, oh, he must have done something bad. And now he says, like, you know, inaccurately, he's robbing the house. Well, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't robbing the house. He was maybe burglarized the house, but he passes through the house and is exiting and you can't shoot the guy. And, and it just underscores why, you know, what ends up happening when you, when you, you and enter into these bad, bad shoots. And I mean, tragically that girl was hit and that's, that's terrible. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's just, people are, you, it, it's, it's hard to argue with people or, or try to make them see the light when, when all they see is, you know, well, it's my right. And if, if this person commits a felony, I'm going to shoot him. It's like, no, mm-hmm. you can't. <laughs> yep. Now, but just to be clear, there is no, nothing mentioned anywhere yet um, that this neighbor has been charged officially. Right. I would expect something. Okay. I, and the last I mean, we had was that imagine police- that's your family. Imagine that's your neighbor. You know, I'd be like, I'd be angry. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, you know, and, and that's the other thing, right? Is that you, we are accountable for every shot that we fire and there is no such thing as, as a miss, right? That bullet hits something somewhere eventually, right? So there's either good hits or there's bad hits, right? Um, so yeah, that, this is, this is the reality. This is why we preach marksmanship and accuracy. Uh, this is why we preach training. This person attempted to make a shot that they were not qualified to make. This is, it said the man was fleeing the house. So he's probably moving or running more likely running. And they attempted to shoot somebody who was running from likely a pretty decent distance. Very few people. So it's not even a illegal thing. It's also a shooting problem and a tactical one. You don't shoot somebody. You know that you don't shoot. You don't shoot when you can't make the shot, right? So that's what happened here. All kinds of problems all the way around. Um, yeah. All right. Next up. North Carolina, man arrested after shooting home invader. Uh, tell us what's up with this, Matthew. All right. Let me grab this story. This was in Fayetteville, okay. North Carolina, by the way. Yeah, this was this was an interesting story. So this is where, um, you know, we um, look at it and say, are you the initial aggressor, right? Or, or, or you cannot be uh, the initial aggressor and then claim um that you acted in self-defense. So in this case, the initial aggressor was um, not the person who's ultimately charged. So here, here we go. So uh, it's 4th of July, a couple sitting in their, their home. Somebody comes to their door trying to force their way in. They don't know this guy. Um, they open the door and start pushing him out. Uh, actually, he, he gains entry into the home and they start pushing him out of the door or out of the home through the door. But they don't end there. They don't push him out of the door, out of the home, and close the door and call the police. They push him out of the door and continue to push him out of the property. Like basically, now they're pushing him past the car. And so they say, um, I believe, low, um, that the stranger um, just trying to grab, get into their vehicle, and then grabs this woman's head. And so at this point, 
um, they they're saying that this guy is is going to physically harm this woman, I guess, um, and they and their the husband or boyfriend. Um, is in fear of death or serious bodily injury um, because this this stranger smashes his girlfriend or wife's head into the door, uh, the car door. And so he pulls his firearm out and shoots this stranger. Well, he's arrested. He's actually arrested. Um, and, and so Yes, initially he was. Both of them would have been a victim if if this stranger would have come into their their house and they would have been fighting with them and they would have shot him. Yeah, I mean they're they're they didn't instigate this incident, right? They're acting in self defense or in their home. Um, but as they extend this fight outside of the home, now um, they had the ability to just push him out of the home and, and, and close the door and call the police. But yet they. They continued the the fight and became uh, the aggressor in the in the case and lost their their ability to claim innocence basically and say you know I didn't I didn't instigate this fight and so they can't make a, a self defense claim um, so you know chances are they're not going to be charged with you know I, I I don't think they would like the other uh, story we talked about second degree murder probably going to be a manslaughter or something I don't know if I can't remember if the guy ended up, uh, no, he didn't die. So probably some sort of assault or, or some, uh, some charge like that, but you know, this is a bad, this is a bad thing all around. So this is where, you know, take it out in the bar, you know, you, you begin, maybe you're not the initial aggressor in a fight, but you knock the guy down, you know, after, after fighting instead of, you know, getting out of the situation when you have the ability, you continue the fight and start hitting him while he's down. And then he gets up and now he picks up, a, you know, and you shoot him. You, you could quickly be in, in, in a situation where you lose that ability or make it more difficult for you to um, show that you weren't the aggressor in the fight. So this is, uh, this is an interesting story because we don't normally see something like this. So, you know, as I read the story, um, you know, okay, so first of all, obviously they should not have left the safety and confines of their home, right? That That's the most obvious tactical error, right? So why did you go out with this man and why did you position yourself? Why did you put yourself in a place where you're close enough to him that he can grab your head and slam your face into the car door, right? Like big time tactical uh big big time tactical errors right as far as that's concerned now whether that constitutes that an initial confrontation is over and a new one begins and you now instigated that because you followed him out i don't know this is another one of those stories that i can see this not going anywhere meaning i can see uh you know the the charges here being dropped or 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 maybe going to trial eventually and, and being acquitted because I, I don't know, and granted, we don't know how, we don't have all the facts, right? That, that again, right. that's that's what makes this sort of thing so challenging. Um, but as I read this, you know, there's a couple things that I think have to be pointed out. Number one, yeah, they made the tactical error, but a tactical error doesn't necessarily mean that you solved one fight and you started another, and now you're the, the new initial aggressor of that new fight. Um, and actually, it could be argued that that this this bad guy, this initial home intruder, uh, you know, he 
it, it could be argued that he started this new fight outside the home because he apparently grabs this uh, uh, fiance of the man that fired the shots ultimately and slams her face into the car door. Right. And then it says he reached inside. Now this is according to her words. Right. And that's the other thing here too. So it's kind of a right now at this point, it's a he said, she said sort of thing. Right. But she says that he reached inside. And when he reached inside, that's when her, her, her boyfriend or fiance, I think it was a fiance, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's when he fired off two rounds. All right. So, uh, I don't know, you know, that had we not made some tactical errors here, we probably wouldn't have had any further problems. Once we got the man outside the house, we secure the house, we call 911, and it should be done and over with. Following him out was a tactical mistake, and now we got a, you know, a whole bunch of other problems. So we'll see how this one shakes out. Um, again, it's it's in the class in the, in the classification of don't do this because regardless of if the actions were actually justified or not. The tactical errors are, are big time here and are costing them big because police do feel like there was a mistake made and are charging them with crimes. Yeah, so. and, and, and I mean, to take it from Andrew Branca, he just, in, you know, whether or not he succeeds uh, in defending himself or not and they drop the charges, he's put himself in a plus more than 0% chance of going to court or being charged or losing, you know, all his, his money in a, in a defense in court, you know, paying to an attorney or something like that. So, you know, he, he opened himself up, uh, unnecessarily, I think. Yeah. So agreed. Agreed. Now, interestingly, so there's some chat here that, uh, Apparently, so we're having some problems with the Facebook live feed, and someone's captured a screenshot of the URL, the link, and it says live video explicit. Yeah. <laughs> so the thinking is, is there something going on here? And Facebook thinks our video is explicit, and thus it's, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I think that's the first time I've ever seen that. I'll have to pay attention to other things we do in the future, I suppose. All righty. So next up, now we're to our justified save stories. Our first one is out of Des Moines, Iowa. This is a great story. Uh, there's some really great video. Uh, it could be argued that this man is not very smart for speaking to reporters like he did, but uh, a Des Moines dad stopped a wanted man from stealing his truck while his son was still inside, according to police. Brad Ratkovich told news on Wednesday that he went into his garage before leaving for a fishing trip and spotted a man later identified as Stephen Wayne Six. That's a fascinating last name. <laughs> Mr. Six was trying to break into his truck. And, and uh, Brad Rakovich, the, the uh, father, says he was down low. He goes to pull up, looks in, and sees my son. I come around the corner without any hesitation from my alien gear holster, pulled and told him to get on the ground. He, was, he had to tell us what holster he uses. Not what gun, but definitely what holster he uses. <laughs> um, <laughs> I first saw this story, Matthew, and I'm like, is this product placement? Like, <laughs> is somebody paying this man? <laughs> Nate. <laughs> who, who talks to reporters after you had to draw a gun on a person and say, I had to draw out of my, 
You know, it could yes. be, you know, alien gear, yes, stealth gear, crossbreed. It could have been any of those, you know. I had to draw for my crossbreed holster, <laughs> it, you know, with my Sig Sauer <laughs> P365 made in Newington, New Hampshire. Oh, oh man. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome, though. <laughs> that, well, I figured Nate had something. <laughs> Something to do with that. Oh, golly. Anyway, so he pulls his gun and uh, tells the man, obviously, you know, to, to stop. He actually told him to get down. And he got the man down on the ground and held him there at gunpoint. Uh, he says he actually did get back up. The, the, the you know, the attempted uh, kidnapper at this point attempted to get up. He then got back down. He tried to escape at one point. He came at me multiple times where I could have then defended myself with my firearm. Uh, and of course, he called 911. And uh, police were there within a few minutes. He says it felt like hours, but they finally showed up and they were able to take Mr. Stephen Wayne Six, who was a wanted man and convicted of burglary in the past. Uh, he was uh, arrested and will be charged, obviously. So pretty interesting and remarkable story, really. I mean, a lot, a lot going on there. You got a young boy in a pickup truck, his dad right there, you know, just getting ready, loading things into the truck, you know, whatever, like things, typical things we would do. And relatively early in the morning, this happened, mm-hmm. uh, well, uh, did it say what time? It was, it was early in the morning on whatever day that was. So uh, yeah, I don't know if it said, just said morning, I think. Yeah, I, I, maybe I read it in another story somewhere because you know there's always multiple links to to these kinds of stories like this. Uh, of course, all all stories today uh, for today's episode available in the show notes, so you can go read and check them out for yourself. We we only generally usually only share one link for the different stories, even though there may be multiple. Um, anyway, so you can find today's show notes too. Short link for that would be concealedcarry.com forward slash episode 332 once it's published and has gone live. All righty. So, oh, did you have something else you wanted to add? No, I was just going to say, you know what I found uh, interesting and something to take from this story is how many people um, leave their car running in their own driveway or, you know, un- leave the doors unlocked at night or something like that. They, they, they leave the door running or the car running. Maybe their, their kid's in there. Oh, I forgot something. I got to run back in. They leave their car running because it's, it's right in their driveway. They, you know, they don't think anything's going to happen. But this guy, obviously, I mean, he wouldn't have tried to steal this car had he not. Um, it, it's, a, it's a crime of an opportunity. You know, he probably saw the guy go out there, the kid gets in the car, he sees him walking around, figures, oh man, this guy probably just left his door unlocked, let the keys in there. I'm going to take his car real quick. And it happens all the time. Um, most of the time people, you know, have their car stolen. It's the, the person had, they, they left the keys in it, you know? Um, and so th- that's one just kind of a thing in the back of your mind, no matter how, what kind of neighborhood you live in, you know, don't leave your keys in the car. Don't, you know, don't let your kid get in the car while it's running or something and wait for you. Um, no matter how old they are, you know, 10 year old should be able to sit in there and you're not worried about them, you know, taking off the car, but who knows, Mr. Six might come to your neighborhood and <laughs> try to jack your car with your kid in it. So. Yep. All right. Next up, we got a story out of, I had the location here, Northport, Florida. All right. This happened uh, at night. Uh, no, wait, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was happening mm-hmm. at yeah. uh, we're Thursday night. Thursday night. 10.30 p.m. There you go. What am I missing here? That is so weird. I had it here, and now all of a sudden I can't find it. 
and I'm scrolling <laughs> up and down, up and down. Anyway, Thursday night, 10.30 p.m., you had a, a woman at an ATM machine. Uh, her boyfriend was sitting in the car watching her, and uh, which is good, good for him. I mean, like, actually, in this case, it, it, I, I might almost be like, well, why wasn't he with her? But it actually really worked out well for them in this case because I think it allowed her boyfriend to have the element of surprise mm-hmm. as something happened here. So she's at the ATM getting money out of the machine and two men approach her to rob her at the ATM. They do that. They approached with a loaded weapon. Uh, the woman's boyfriend, like, like I said, was watching from a vehicle when he got out and he fired several shots at the suspect. I think it's referring to the one holding the gun and hitting him several times. The the suspect, one of the suspects, or actually the suspects fled away with the help of getaway driver, uh, and one of them was found later injured and took him to the hospital, and, and I guess he's going to be okay. But uh, pretty interesting story here. So we have to really watch ourselves when we are doing these sorts of things. You know, anytime we use an ATM, it doesn't matter what time of day, uh, location, you know, we got to, we got to watch for that. We got to watch our surroundings. We got to watch anybody or pay attention to anybody that's in the area that may be watching people that approach the ATM. Um, you have to be really careful, you know, we're very vulnerable when we are in front of a machine trying to input, you know, prompts and, you know, pin numbers and all that stuff and get money out. Uh, like I said, she's very fortunate. She had her boyfriend who was armed right there watching her back, not too far away. And that worked out very well for, for them in this case. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I mean, ops, uh, operational or situational awareness, you know, understanding, keeping an eye out. Um, and that's kind of, you know, if you think about it, we don't typically go to the range and train with other people, but, um, you know, you may be the only one armed in, in when you go out with your wife or your family, um, maybe even your friends. So you have, you know, you have that responsibility kind of to broaden your situational awareness, not only for yourself now, but if they're outside of the car, you know, doing now you kind of have to, um, to take on that, that, you know, role as well. Um, so good, good on him. Um, you know, that's, I, I hate ATM machines. I mean, I, I, especially the drive up ones, they're always like, you know, very narrow. You can't get, you can't maneuver around. Somebody could easily pull up a car right in front, block you in, and, and you're not going to be able to go anywhere. You, most of the time you can't even open a door. Those you're so close, you know, so you're mm-hmm. stuck and better to go to, I guess, the, to the walk up one if you have to, but, and it what is it was 1030. It's not super, super late at night, but you know, criminals will, will be criminals, I guess. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't really use ATMs much anymore, you know? So, uh, it's super convenient these days. It's actually safer for you. This would be, I guess, a pro tip, right? Uh, go to the grocery store or grow, go to Walmart for all I care. Maybe that could be arguably uh, not the safest <laughs> place in the world, too. But uh, <laughs> based on how many stories we've shared from Walmarts over the years, but uh, go to the grocery store, right? You know, you, you've got more people around. You've got uh, lighting. You've got uh, c- cameras. Sometimes you have security guards that work some of those grocery stores. Go to the grocery store, buy a couple of things, buy a gallon of milk, then go to the machine. You know, to, a lot of times I, I use self-checkout all the time, you know, putting people out of jobs. So, uh <laughs> Uh, use a self-checkout or whatever and uh, check out. Say, I want cash back. 
say how much, you know, like no fees, like what, what's not to love about no fee cash withdrawal in a safe place, a much safer place than out, you know, at an ATM somewhere on a street. Yeah. So just a thought anyway. All right. Tell us about this last story, uh, Matthew. Trenton officer rescued by an armed citizen. This was this could have this was very nearly tragic. Yeah, this this is a pretty interesting story because every once in a while we have one of these where an armed citizen helps law enforcement. Um, and so this is uh, Trenton Police Department uh, said around 3 p.m. Saturday afternoon. Now this wasn't this was I believe this was last month, late last month. Um, sometime June, late June. Um, but anyways, uh, this, this officer is, um, transporting prisoner to prison or jail one way or the other. Um, and as she's, uh, transporting this guy, he is able to free himself from however he's restrained in the vehicle and starts to get, uh, control of the, uh, this officer's weapon duty weapon. Um, and so the, 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 the officer starts to slow down and pull off the, off the road. And apparently there's, there's five guys in, in a convenience store nearby that sees kind of this, this developing sees the vehicle doesn't obviously know what's going on inside, but based on how the, the maybe the vehicle slowing down, speeding up, comes to a stop, like on the side of the road, they're saying, this isn't right. Um, it's a, you know, police vehicle, something's going on. And so they kind of spring into action and go over there to see what's going on. Maybe they can um, assist. Um, and as they um, get over there, um, they see that uh, this this guy has is assaulting her and and is trying to get her firearm. So one of them is armed, draws his firearm, and um, they basically, you know, tell the guy not to move, hold him at gunpoint um, until. Um, until uh, uh, officers can arrive in the process, the not only does this guy actually try to get her firearm, but gains his her firearm and shoots her. Um, oh. She ends up surviving the, the the wound, the gunshot wound, but it got to the point where he was able to actually get the the gun out of the holster. It wasn't just you know a fight over the gun. He actually actually got the gun out of the holster. So. Um, had this, these arm, this arm citizen not been there, who, who knows what happens, right? Like he, he has access to a firearm. He's already shot a police officer. He's, he knows he's going to prison. He's already in custody. Um, and so that probably wouldn't have ended very well, um, for the officer at least. So another kind of, you know, explanation of, you know, why it's not, we, we always tend to say, you know, don't get involved in third party incidents. It's very, you know, it's very difficult to kind of decipher what's going on. Who's the bad guy? Who's the good guy? Um, but in this case, it was pretty much evident. I mean, it, it's an uniformed officer being shot by their own firearm by a person who's in custody. So good on them that they interact, intervene. She's going to survive. She's okay. Um, you know, everybody was, was happy that with the way it turned out, they didn't demonize the the gun owners or anything like that. But, you know, you don't see this on, you know, CNN or MSNBC or something like that as, as, you know, this guy's a hero. He, you know, he kind of forgotten probably tomorrow, but, um, 
awesome, awesome job. Yep. And good restraint too, by not shooting the guy. I mean, you know, if he, he didn't obviously have to, so. Yep. You know, we, we get the sense of just how bad this was for this uh, female officer uh, when we learned that, I mean, she, she went to the hospital in critical condition. Yeah. Right. I mean, she's shot in the abdomen and you go, oh, okay, yeah, sure. You know, people get shot in the gut all the time. Like it's, it's not traditionally a place you think it, it's not a man stopping place that we, you know, shoot people typically. Right. You know, you shoot someone in the gut, uh, they will die eventually if they're not treated, they will bleed out eventually, most likely. But what could cause some serious problems is if, uh, especially put maybe put even somebody in, in in some sort of critical uh, health danger, such as what this woman may have been faced with. I don't know this for a fact. Obviously, it doesn't. You know, you can you can hurt enough things in your abdomen to cause some serious problems. But don't forget, we have a couple of pretty big arteries and veins that traverse the center line of the body. Uh, so that can, you know, that's where, if you're going to have a real big problem with bleeding, uh, if you hit one of those, you're, you're going to be in big, big, big trouble. Don't know that that's what happened here, but fortunately it sounds like she's going to be okay. This is such a remarkable story, you know, because, uh, these, these good Samaritan civilians, they were, they were on point, you know, they, they noticed something wasn't quite right. That, that takes that takes guts. That takes uh, a good mindset. That takes, you know, uh, paying attention and noticing details and noticing uh, something about a pattern that doesn't quite fit. So they saw this police car kind of roll up, and you know, somewhat slowly it sounded like, and kind of stop it near this uh, this uh, convenience store. And they're kind of like, well, there's something not something looks off about this cop. You know, this police vehicle that just rolled up. And fortunately, they were able to step in and probably save this woman's life. Uh, so just remarkable all the way around. And, and I got to you know give mad props to uh, to these guys that assisted that day. Yeah. Um, you know, Facebook post said Michelle Weller, who witnessed the event, said if it hadn't been for that law-abiding citizen carrying his weapon with him for defense, this situation could have ended up very differently, and more people could have been hurt. Because he had his weapon, these men were able to grab the suspect, pull him out of the car, and hold him down on the ground until officers arrived on the scene. That's awesome. And that's I mean, why I'm so passionate about armed civilian uh, defense, because I do believe that the benefits of having an armed populace far outweigh the costs. And the costs are big, right? The costs are traumatic even. Uh, many people are hurt and killed each year by guns. That's a given, yeah. right? Uh, we try to minimize those statistics a lot of times in our community, but we should recognize those statistics are pretty, pretty big statistics. But I still believe that the benefits far outweigh the costs. And that's the way we got to look at it. And it's stories like this, you go, hmm, I don't know how this would have resolved itself where that female cop survives if you weren't able to have civili armed civilians that were able to intervene and, and save her life. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Couldn't set it uh, any better. I mean, it, we can't minimize the fact that firearms are dangerous, right? We can't minimize the fact that, you know, we have people kill themselves, commit suicide at a high rate with firearms. We can't minimize the fact that, you know, um, people do use firearms illegally to harm other people. 
but we have to show the the reason why disarming everybody isn't the solution and, and stories like these and, and pointing to why um you know firearms are necessary um outside of sporting outside of competition why they are necessary uh, in a form of self defense uh, and protect the pop, the you know the average citizen and uh, law enforcement as well so you know, we have to be honest and, and that's the only way we're going to make any hayway or headway with, with people that, you know, kind of want to take away guns or, or want to legislate them away. Yep. Michael here comments on Facebook. I read somewhere that NPR did a study and said, good guy with a gun is a lie. And I remember that story and I don't know what they were looking at. I don't know what kind of numbers or, or statistics they were looking at that would suggest that good guy with a gun is a lie. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it is not a lie. There's just no way. There's way too many instances where good guys solve big time problems mm-hmm. every day in this country. You know, there's some people asking us today, you know, if, if we were talk, if we we're going to talk about some other recent justified save or DGU stories that have occurred. And I, I you know, I commented, I said, no, unfortunately, just due to time, we're not talking about that story. There was the one about the pregnant woman that defended her, you know, or, or that ended up shooting somebody. Uh, or she got shot and her baby, I think, was killed or something. I can't remember all the details now. Yeah. Uh, and there was another one, too. Uh, someone was asking about, what was that? Um Oh, someone asked if we discussed the household that fired 32 rounds at an intruder inside. Uh, I actually am not sure if I remember that story. But the fact is we can't talk about everything. We don't have the time to talk about everything. And sometimes we'll actually intentionally not talk about some stories, maybe because they've already been talked about quite a bit. Maybe they've already got quite a bit of coverage. Um, But so, you know, show notes for today's episode and all these stories we've covered today in today's episode are available at concealedcarry.com forward slash episode 332 upon publishing of this podcast episode. That, that page goes live and you can see all the show notes. And you, I also share, I post there the stories that didn't make the cut into the episode. And so there's extra stories in the show notes. You can go there so you can see those other stories and uh, read those for yourself as well. All right. Yeah, if you guys saw the stories I have to, I, I weed through and then cut these down. I mean, it's hard. I try to get some, they have a little bit of different variety of different, um, you know, topics or, or you know, points that we can bring out um, because it, it is really hard. I, I Sometimes I give Riley like a list of 50 stories and <laughs> we got to go through them because we yeah. know we'll be for five hours. So. Yep, yep. That's that's true. Yeah, that is true, you know, and, and uh, so J- Matthew does a, a – a much appreciated job of wading through all the stories. And again, you, you, you mentioned it right there, Matthew, a lot of times what we, what we choose to talk about on the podcast is selected because of the lessons that are involved and that there's variety. I mean, but some of the wading through all the stories going through the weeds on that stuff is, is, you know, where there'll be a number of stories that all sound very similar. You know, you, you see a lot of these, I call them one-liner news stories. They're not actually one-liners, but they're very, very brief descriptions. You know, a report of home invasion occurring at such and such address or, you know, at such and such cross streets, whatever. Home invasion, homeowner, pulled out gun, shot dude, you know, dude went to hospital, whatever. You know, like there's there's tons and tons and tons of, tons of stories that are very low detail and sound very similar. 
but where we get some facts or some details or some things about or circumstances, we go, hmm, that's interesting, or hmm, that's a good lesson to be learned. That is a, a good case for it to end up in the podcast. Well, it's time to wrap it up. Let you all go. Again, a reminder to support our sponsors, um, Ammo Supply Warehouse, uh, actually a fairly long-running sponsor now. They've been with us for some time. That's because they came on board and uh, became part of our Guardian Nation family by agreeing to let Guardian Nation members, that's our special membership program, to get a 5% discount off of all ammo sales on their site. That's huge, by the way. I don't think people realize just how tight the margins are on ammunition sales especially right now. Margins are crazy tight. So for, I'll tell you what, on certain products in in Ammo Supply Warehouse's store, they are losing money when Guardian Nation members purchase them with that 5% discount. Okay? And that's where the negotiation for making them a sponsor came into play. It's like, well... We hope to uh, have you as a sponsor and and spread the word and get you some exposure and hopefully it you know it, the costs or the, uh, the 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 benefits the profit outweighs <laughs> the, the the times you do lose money uh, when especially when Guardian Nation members uh, purchase ammo. But we hope that you'll consider supporting them and buying your next batch of ammo from Ammo Supply Warehouse at ammosupplywarehouse.com. All right, and then if you'd like to save an additional five percent and drain their bank accounts a little bit more than they'd like, <laughs> then you can join Guardian Nation today at guardiannation.com. And also save 15% off Mantis X this week only at concealedcarry.com forward slash Mantis X. Use coupon code Mantis Talk. And we do appreciate your support of our sponsors and of us and everything we do here at concealedcarry.com and the Concealed Carry podcast. It wouldn't be possible without your support. We would not be in business still. We would not be doing the podcast still without your support and your support of our sponsors. You'll note we've never jumped on the Patreon bandwagon or done anything like that where we say, hey, give us so much money a month and you get access to all of our content or special content or you know, pat- patrons only con- content. Uh, we just, we're not interested in that. We'd, we'd rather bring you nice quality free content and if you are so inclined, you can reward us by supporting our sponsors or buying stuff from our store. There you go. Thanks so much, guys. We appreciate you all. Uh, Matthew, I appreciate you as well and for all the work you do. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Absolutely, brother. So with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.